From the world to your ears, welcome to Yakin with Yassian, a podcast about music and its business. Featuring your host, Dan Yassian. I want to ask you about this latest album. Okay. Playing it forward. I think it's fabulous. Appreciate it. Can you explain what the germination of these ideas was to uh, yeah. bring this forth, especially during this pandemic? That's a big part of, of the record. Right. Uh, a big part of how it was released, a big, uh, very therapeutic, I will tell you that. Uh, so, you know, we talked about all the things that I do. And the one thing that I've never embraced, even though I've done a lot of records, mm-hmm. uh, it's a long career, 42 years. I don't think 13 records is a ton. I played on other people's records. I played on Bob James's. I don't know. But That's, for the most yeah. part, um, once you start to branch out into doing radio, into doing festivals, uh, and you don't have the pressure of being signed to a major label because they're all gone. Right. Once I finished doing the D, which was my third record 10 years ago, for Heads Up Telarc, that was the last label I was with. Once that ended and the labels got out of our business, I started to branch out and I started to do a lot of stuff. So the last 10 years really did disappear to me. Someone had to remind me when I went to finish this record that it had been 10 years. It didn't feel like that to me. Right. Doing the D felt like it was, you know. And that's because uh, what did I do in that meantime? I wasn't at home watching CNN, I can tell you that. I was, <laughs> uh, I was basically creating festivals, developing a TV show, doing other radio, so I did all of that. So now comes this record that I really needed, which I started, I hate to admit it, two, three years ago. Wow. Yeah, two, three years ago, Jeff Lorber, my inspiration is for, is pushing on me. He's sending me great demos. We're still playing together and working together. And I start getting great songs and I start getting ideas for songs. Sure. And uh, he is, if you look at the liner notes on the record, you'll read it. He was an unbelievable source of energy and inspiration that a guy on that level who owns an amazing recording studio who has access to guitar players like Paul Jackson Jr. and Michael Thompson, who was a very dear friend of Chuck Loeb's who passed away, yeah. uh, who was a friend of mine too, but an g- amazing guitar player. Uh, Gary Novak, the great drummer. Right. So we start yeah. to piece the record together, but because I've got all that other stuff going on, it's slow and slow. And because, to be quite frank with you, and I'm more than happy to admit this, I'm not that comfortable in a recording studio. I have to get to the point where all the tracks are done, And then because I'm so specific, when you listen to the flute parts on this record, they're so developed. So I think what you're saying is that you're a perfectionist. Yeah. Some people would just call me neurotic, but I I, perfectionist. Well, there might be a a slim line right there. We all got that. We all have that. We all got a little little attention deficit disorder. But you, you want it to be as good as it can be. Totally. Right. Forget great. As good as I'm capable of making. Right. And that... uh, Then I'm satisfied. And I would share with you some experiences that I've personally had where uh, after the session and going to bed late at night and on my pillow thinking about what I could or should have done instead. Does that happen to you? Well, yeah. I'm relating totally to that. I mean, in my case... Uh, and there's no trade secrets here. I, I I work it all out. I go into the studio so prepared. You are prepared. I'm totally prepared. There is a tuner right on that stand. You listen to this whole record, 11 tracks, there is no auto-tune on that flute. That flute is in tune because I make sure before every take, 
And I so you are a pitch freak, though. I am because I don't have perfect pitch, and I. I but you any, have re- you have relative pitch. Relative for sure, relative for sure, no question about it. And uh, and you develop that. Right. You develop that by constantly referencing it and preparing it, and so uh, I I put a lot of energy into it. All the tracks were done. Now comes the fun part. But I, I was I, I got delivered a bit of a blow on this record because I'm all ready to really dig into the flute parts. I started some of them. I did the flute parts for Living in the Past, this incredible Jethro Tull song, mm-hmm. one of my favorite, which is in 5-4 time. It's just a great Jeff Lorber arrangement. And I'm working at the only studio where I did significant flute work since the 80s is Studio A in Dearborn Heights with my friend Eric Morgison. Eric. And Eric is a brilliant engineer. Great engineer. And the studio is state-of-the-art. It's tight. There's a reason why Aretha Franklin and Anita Baker recorded it. Of course. And yet alone everybody else. Right. So that's the only place I'm comfortable because, as I told you, I'm not I'm not that guy who's so comfortable in the studio. Right. And, and I'm going to do take after take after take, and I'm going to put pieces together in four and eight-bar increments, and i got to have an engineer there who's got great ears because as we do those eight bars over and over again, we got to make a decision then before we move on. Right. I ain't going back with 10 takes of the first eight bars. So it's, it's too I confusing have, to do that. I mean, it's, pardon, it's, it'd be confusing. a mess, right? Yeah. I mean, it'd be confusing. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that we have the technology to do it doesn't make it easy. No. So so I have my own process. So I everything gets done. What happens? Studio A closes down. Eric calls me up and says, uh, I've, wait a minute. When did that happen? Oh, it's, it's oh, uh, been a year at least. Really? I'm Gone. Sold. He retired. I, I, all my tapes are all in my office now. I mean, we're talking stuff from the 80s. And so wow. I got to find another studio. I do find a really good working studio uh, uh, just for flutes. Uh, a guy named Tom Rice has got a small studio on the east side uh, called the Audio Cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really loved about it was just the comfort of it all, you know. So, so I'm putting the whole record together. It's taking a long time. Uh, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to look at some record deals. I'm going to decide what label puts it out. All of that is moving in that direction. As we're getting near COVID, All right. now I'm really liking the record. Uh, Lorber has over-delivered. I love the tracks. I love Adele's Rolling in the Deep with Selected of God Choir. I wanted to do that. I got inspired, by the way, to do Adele's Rolling in the Deep, listening to Aretha Franklin on the on, on the David Letterman show. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. She was on one night, and I wanted to watch because a lot of Detroiters were in her band, including Ron Otis, the drummer. Right, yeah. And I Love turn Ron it on, Otis, yeah. and Aretha drum. comes out, and what does she sing? Rolling in the Deep. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to it, and I always liked the song, but I said, that would make a great flute song. Yeah. You know. So I get all of that. Nature Boy, the mm-hmm. classic, you know, Nat King Cole, George Ben. As we're getting near COVID, I'm thinking to myself... I love all my records. I don't rate them. I don't think one is better than any other one. They all reflect a certain part or point in my career. I listen to Elegant Evening that I did in 81, and I go, God, I don't know if I could play that now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. they all have their magic. you know. Right. So I hire an amazing engineer to mix the record. His name is Peter Mokren in, in, in L.A. Peter mixes everybody. R. Kelly, Christina Aguilera, the list just goes on. Works with Quincy Jones. I really, I, I say in the back of my mind, man, you took 10 years. Put everything into this. Lorber's all over it. We got all these great players on it. I got the last things that Chuck Loeb wrote. 
I gotta make it great for him. He wrote this beautiful song called Mosaic. The list goes on of all the little small stories that are part of making a record. Right. You've incorporated uh, uh, visuals in this thing. Well, this time I did with the one song. Uh, you're talking about the video. The now. video, yeah. Yeah. So I finished the record. I, I. But this this song is part of that. that well, the song you're talking about is the only song on the record that is not produced by Jeff Lorber. Oh, okay. Yeah, Motor City Sway is by my other friend, James Lloyd from Pieces of a Dream. Okay. James is brilliant. They work very differently. James Lloyd is a prodigy, all ears, doesn't read a lick. Mm. Uh, uh, Pieces of a Dream started make, writing hits when they were in middle school. They became Grover Washington's band. Wow. They had a weekly television show when he was a teenager. So uh, James is exceptional. James Lloyd writes this ditty, you know, and I really like it. Lorber's got his own thoughts on it. Lorber didn't dislike it, but it's a different kind of a song than the sophistication of Jazz Cafe, the first track, or playing it forward. When we did that song, that song was inspired by James Lloyd coming in as my guest, playing live shows with me. James Lloyd has written a lot of songs for me mm. uh, that I do live. Sweat, Leave It With Me, From A to Z. Those are all James Lloyd songs. Wow, that's great. So James comes in, writes this song. He gets inspired by every time he plays a gig with me. And I play Memphis Underground, which is a Herbie Mann song sure. that Kirk Whalen produced for me. A thousand people get up and start line dancing. Because <laughs> of that groove, it's right. a stepper's groove, and that stepper's groove is a is a variation. And I know a lot of people probably watching this know, maybe you know, it's a variation of Detroit Hustle slash Electric Slide. Totally, it's part of that vibe, yeah. right? And so James Lloyd said, "Well, man, I need to write you another one of those Electric Slide songs." And so that's where this song came from. Love the song, love yeah, the whole. Great. You're listening to Yakin with Yesia. Visit danyesian.com and sign up for the newsletter to receive all the latest content, including vlogs, podcasts, and all things related to Dan's feature work and Armenian trilogy. Now back to the conversation. So once I decided I was going to be the label because of COVID, I got the time. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to give this record to a record label. Jeff Lorber told me, why would you go to a label, man? They're not going to know how good this record is. And I I, I don't want to beat up labels that might be watching this. No, but unfortunately, we know now labels have truly become a bank more than anything else. If so, Stevie Wonder is releasing his own record, yeah. did you read that recently? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's because it's a digital age. You're giving up an awful lot. You're giving up a lot. If you want to take that small little advance, this record was not inexpensive to make. Right. You know, I, I bankrolled it. So and good music is expensive. Let's face it. I mean, if you're going to do it the right way, if you're you going to do can't it put the a right microphone way, in front of a band and go and whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's look, not going to be that. Look, I think some people like a Lorber, like a Bob James, like an Alex Bunyan, have the wherewithal and the studio that's theirs right. to go in there, bring in a couple of people, a couple of friends, and really make a great record. Me, I need all that stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I really do. And I love it as well. I, I enjoy Well, there are it. only so many things you're going to do. You're not a technician that you're going to no, be. I'm not. We're going to do. No, I'm not either. I'm, I, we're we're going to. The equalization, the compression, oh. the limitation, the whatever to all the outboard gear, and we're going to yeah. do dials, you know. Well, what, I, I'm, what? I, 
I get a kick out of you saying that because I pride myself yeah. in being very comfortable with admitting uh, to what I don't know. I'm also proud of the fact that I have enough skill sets. I'm of an age that I'd like to just finely tune those. I'm not going to go through the process of all the do's it takes and the learning curve to develop Pro Tools chops so I can develop my, I, I've never, no. that's not me. Now I admire the people that do. I admire people yeah. do. So once I turned highfalutin music into a label, I already own my whole catalog. Right. I already have a national distributor. I hired the independent radio promoter. He's doing a great job. Right. The record's being played. So to be quite frank with you, Dan, this record, you go back to March when everything hit the fan, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I have to cancel Cabin Fever Jazz Festival, my first event that I actually own. It's coming up November, I'm sorry, it's coming up March the 21st, and we're at the 9th or 10th. And I go into my office and I look at my assistant, Michael, and I go, Michael, I don't think we're gonna be able to do this. We gotta shut it down. It's not, it's not right for us to keep doing this. I've got an adult audience, 800 people packed into a small space. We gotta cancel it. And we canceled it, took a huge hit. Remember, all the artists were hired, the flights were already paid for, I bought all the radio, I bought all the TV. Mm. So we took our first big hit and then everything shut down. All of our gigs shut down. And I'm sure you know, I don't like playing, I love it. Next thing you know, we're not performing. Forget about all the financial hits we took. Right. Now we're not doing what we love to do. Right. And so I will admit, by the end of March, getting into early April, and every artist I talked to, Kenny G, Dave Cause the other day, uh, Lorber, all of them, there was like post-traumatic stress disorder for all of us. We were all like, we're these type A people that are running around doing all this stuff and boom, the bottom falls out. And we're worried about friends who are getting sick and we wanna make sure we don't get sick. And we're, we're losing all of this gross income. May not all be ours. And so where did I put my, my energy? I got this finished record. Some people said, don't put it out during COVID. It's wrong. You don't have festivals to support it with. And I just decided I, that- No, I think it's the best time to do this. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that. I should have asked your advice. I would have felt better. Oh, I don't know. Seriously. No, but seriously, because what you're telling me is what yeah. some people said. Not yeah. all people told yeah. me that. And so I uh, I put all my energy into it. I hired a great graphics guy. Uh, I'm going to say this for Dan's sake. Mm -hmm. I hired this great Armenian guy. Oh, there you go. But you know, I hire Rafi to do the cover. I want it to be so Detroit. Yeah. Motor City What's Slate. What's his last name? Manassian? Is it Manassian? Uh, no. Manassian. Manassian, yeah. yeah. Okay. Rafi Manassian. Yeah. And so we go down that road and now all of a sudden I'm really engaged with a lot of aspects of it that had I been busy with all my festivals, I wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. And I, 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 the Lorber songs, the, the James Lloyd song, Chuck Loeb, the brilliant guitar player who happened to pass away while we're doing this, a couple new relationships, Michael Thompson, one of the great session guitar players in LA, all of that for me was a just a was therapy. Yeah. And I put everything into it. And then I embraced the idea of turning highfalutin music into a label. I had to master the record. I found a great mastering guy. And so I embraced all of that. Uh, and uh, now I'm thrilled that I did it. And I, am I happy with the results? Yes, I am. I don't look at records as being better than the others. Right. I just look at it and say to myself, the reviews are great. I love the variety on it. Jeff Lorber stretched me out a lot on it. There's a lot of extended solos on this record. And again, I'm very comfortable with telling any musician out there this. Um, I have a process. Before I'm about to go in and I do all the melodies for the flutes first. 
-hmm. So I got that tone and it's fresh. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be doing melodies the same day as solos because solos can wipe out your chops because you're really digging in and playing. Right. I need to have those relaxed chops to play those melodies with a beautiful tone. Right. Then I go in to start doing solos. When I go to do solos, I know that I can play what I would normally play. I have my own little bag of tricks. But I want to challenge myself. So I'll go to a James Lloyd or I'll go to even to a Bob James or a Jeff Larber very much. And I'll go, Jeff, do me a favor. You know the solo section in Jazz Cafe? Get a, get a cheesy flute sound on your motif synthesizer, <laughs> but play what solo you would play in it. Just play an improv solo. And he sends me an improv solo and I transcribe it. And then I go in there and I take the parts that I really like out and I add my parts and I make it my own. You make it your own. You're and I make it my own playing stuff that I would have not normally played. Right. And 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 well, again, that's stretching, like you said. Yeah. And so you know, I, I don't want anyone to think out there, you know. And again, if you're a pure jazz guy listening to this interview, mm -hmm. and you find it absolutely upsetting that someone would compose an improvised solo, then I admire you. I really do. But the last time I heard solos to Charlie Parker's Ornithology, I swear I heard a lot of them licks before. Yeah, you know, and so, but, but I'm not that good on. It. If you take natural improvisers, like remember the great Larry Nazaro who passed away. Of course, I'm I sure did. you do. Yeah. Larry was amazing. Yeah, I I tried to take jazz lessons with Larry Nazaro. I went to his house with my first record, and I said to Larry, Larry, I can't improvise like you. You need to teach me. He puts on my album, and after he hears me play on this album, he says, I'm not going to teach you. Yeah. I can't play flute like that. I goes, I'm not here for flute lessons. All right, you know. Um, I admire the people that can do that. Walter White, come on. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to solo. These are all great guys. I mean, yeah. we've used Larry in yeah. the studio and, yeah. of course, Walter, as you know. But see, we, just, yeah, everybody just, has their own, and this is my, this is just my advice. If you're that guy who has any insecurities about what style you're playing, is it jazz, is it not jazz, mm. I, I so admire the art form. We don't need to use a name for whatever it is, you know. I mean, you know, it, 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 is it Duke know, Ellington that said there's only two kinds of music, good music and bad music? <laughs> that's I mean, ex you know, totally. That's, I mean, I you think he knew good. a thing or two about music. When when I interviewed uh, when I interviewed the guy that did the big PBS jazz documentary, uh, Ken Burns, Burns, Ken Burns, Ken Burns. I interviewed. I'm getting ready to do the interview, and in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, is this one of those straight-ahead jazz guys, and he's calling into a smooth jazz station, yeah. and I'm going to get into a big thing with him about what is jazz and isn't, and he wasn't. What he was was a documentary filmmaker, right. and what he was was somebody who totally realized in his trilogy, Civil War, Baseball, Jazz, right. that jazz is the great classical music. Of the art form of America. And, so. then, and then what did he tell me as it went through? I said to him, I love the passion that jazz people have. I even love debating them. I love them when they look at me and they go, well, that ain't jazz that you're playing. I go, cool, you know, yeah. I'm glad you love jazz enough. And I admire the fact that you recognize it. Right. You know? I says, but you won't upset me by telling me that because. Yeah. Because there's a whole other audience out there besides the player. Right. Who is well, there going is to that. have their own opinion and appreciation yeah. or yeah. not appreciating, whatever it's going to be. But, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I, uh, we I, get we get caught up with ourselves sometimes about. What I think labels are a strange thing. I, I think to read articles where you know, I remember Bob James when I first started to tour with him. Mm -hmm. He's brilliant, yeah. classical musician, composer, degree in a master's in composition from U of M. This guy's brilliant. Sarah Vaughan's music director for five years. 
Played with Sir. I didn't know that. Yeah. So so when I first started playing with him, because he had so much commercial success, we would always hear these things about how he's sold out. He's a sellout, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then the derogatory things that are told about people like Kenny G, who happens to have sold 100 million records. Kenny G's not playing the kind of music he's playing because he's a great jazz musician who decided that I'm going to play this to make money. This is actually him. Right. You know, it's so... It's like Britt Backrack is really uh, from origin as a jazz musician. Obviously. Talk, about, talk about a melody. Can that guy write a melody? Yeah, can he write a melody? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, and we talked, I think, on the phone when we talked last week about Herb Alpert. Uh, same you thing. Know? Same thing. Yeah. What genre? Yeah. Whatever. It's Tijuana Whatever. Press. Well, we yeah. heard these yeah. things and we're saying yeah. everybody went around and was on yeah. their lips, on their mind, whatever it was. Yeah. You know? Now, all of that being said, are there times that I say to myself, when I go and I hear a Kirk Whalum or when Walter White is in the horn section and he plays a solo on one of my songs, and I say to myself, I wish I had that vocabulary. You know, they have this jazz vocabulary sure. yeah I and, get it. But, but that's more me just admiring what somebody just did of course and saying to myself well you got your own thing that you're going to do you can't be everything to everybody no absolutely not but uh, but I, I i like to make it clear that i love all of those styles right and that that uh it doesn't offend me when people don't think right i'm a jazz musician right i'm not offended yeah. by it alex uh it's been wonderful having you here yeah this is part one right this is part one <laughs> We can go on for years. No, that's very good. Uh, and no. well, you you're a you're an artist, and you have the right questions to tell. And it's all it's fun, well, it's fun when it's extended like this. Well, it's fun to be able to talk common language. Yes. And hopefully, the idea of this whole program of musicology is to dispense information that people might want to be interested in hearing. And what you've had to say is totally fascinating. Well, I hope it is to because, someone. I, yeah, I, I but, think. but you've got all these levels. You know, it's yeah. music, it's business, it's all yeah. of this combined, and you couldn't ask for more. You should be teaching at uh, uh, Yale University for this stuff. Well, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind a lecture now and then. I'm not sure I'd want to teach, but the lecture would work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have this sense of, of writing a book one day because I think it's such a peculiar business. Yeah. And, and being able to try to tie all of this in. I don't know if I could do it, but you know, you know the expression, it's business as usual. Right. Uh, my, my vision is it's business as unusual. <laughs> and and because music, it is, it's a very... Music is yeah, so unusual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more, dare I say more, is it more unusual than any of the other art forms? Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. But it is one, it is the one art form, and I've told this to people before, that when somebody plays a solo or you're mm-hmm. listening to a band or whatever it is, it will evoke emotions to bring you to tears. Absolutely. And I don't know if you could look at a piece of art and come that close yeah. to Well, music does that. it more so for me. More so. Yeah. But I get the art thing too, absolutely. I've yeah. been lucky enough to go to some to all the great museums and stare. Yeah. And and, and when it gets to a certain level, it is moving. Yeah, it is definitely moving. No, yeah. no question about yeah. it. We're, you know, we're pretty lucky people to be doing we're this. Very, very lucky. Yeah, play us out, please. That's all you get. Beautiful. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. It's
useful. This has been Yakin' with Yesian. Thanks for tuning in. As always, visit danyesian.com for all the latest content. See you soon.